Welcome to Storytime with T.L. Rutledge. This is your narrator speaking. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. So last week, I took a break from recording a, uh, a chapter of um, Immortal. I asked... Uh, on Instagram and Facebook and other things, um, what you guys thought I should do differently if you didn't like the way I was doing it currently, and I got some feedback. Um, appreciate all you to who all of you who did uh, offer it. Um, one suggestion was um, maybe change it up a little bit instead of just doing a chapter every week. Maybe like do a chapter every week and then like maybe do a couple like different kind of things in between. I was trying to do that a little bit. I had like the interview with uh, Spencer Crandall and I did, I uh, had another person, uh, Jeff Lynn, I had him do a, a chapter reading. I'm still going to do both of those, um, like those things more often. I'm going to get more people to read chapters and I'm going to do uh, more interviews the more I can. But what I decided to do for this, for this um, episode, uh, I'm going to take a quick break from Immortal reading and I'm going to read you um, two short stories that I wrote. Um, now, these short stories I did not publish. Um, I was trying to get them published into magazines and stuff, but um, it didn't really go the way I hoped. But um, I really like these short stories. Um, like I said, there's only two. They're short. Not why they're called short stories. Um, but... I'm going to read them to you. Um, so like I said, there's, there's going to be two. I'll read the first one. There will be a um, the ad for um, Anchor in between. So when you hear the ad, just keep listening, and then you'll hear the second story after that. So with that in mind, um, I hope you enjoy these short stories that I wrote. And if you don't like the way I'm doing this, um, if you want me to go back to reading Immortal, I will. I will go back to reading Mortal next next um, next week. Um, but I thought I'd change it up a little bit, see where things go, how this goes. Uh, I might actually start. Um, I might start reading, maybe like um, like chapter um, examples and um, stuff like that for a bit other, for other books that I'm writing. Just to kind of get your opinion, um, I really need, um, I don't want to say, I mean, I really do need beta readers, but um, if you guys, if you guys could offer feedback um, on different things that I'm reading, um, even on Immortal, um, I, when I wrote, that, that version of Immortal was written a while ago, it's not my best work uh, it was my first work so um it's almost difficult for me to read it sometimes because it's like wow i could really have done so much better with this but um that's why i'm doing the podcast for it i think it's better for me to like do an audiobook version of it than for me to um for or for you guys to to read them and i do want to continue with that series as an audiobook. So I'll do Immortal first, then I'll do Resistance, and then I'm going to do Freedom. And I think 
I've decided I'm not 100% sure. I think I might just release Freedom as a podcast instead of as a hard copy. Um, well, one, to save me some money. And, I mean, I might. I, I, we'll see about it. Um, I think, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I do really want to, I like doing the podcast episodes. Um, but if I do plan to do all those, I might start doing two episodes a weekend instead of just doing one. So I can kind of get to um, those books sooner. Because I, I originally planned to have um, Freedom um, come like, release in the spring, which is basically like next month. So I might start doing more episodes and what I even might start doing too is I might do a chapter reading on like a Saturday and then on a Sunday I'll do an alternate thing or we'll see how it goes. Um, but feedback from you guys is definitely something I could really use. So if you have any questions or any um, suggestions on what I me to do differently or how I want me to change things or want to keep things the same, um, you can either contact me via Facebook or Instagram um, my Facebook page is just Tim Rutledge with the blue check mark, and then my Instagram is Slimmy underscore Timmy. Uh, there's a story behind that name, but um, I'll tell you guys some of that. So with that being said, um, the first short story I'm going to read to you guys is called Silent Melody. Um, this is a story that I kind of had in the back of my head for a long time. I wanted to write a book about it, but... Um, didn't really have the substance for a book, like a whole novel. So I decided to write it as a short story instead. And um, so hope you guys like it. Like I said, it's called Silent Melody. Um, it's a different kind of story that I've written before. So um, without further ado, I'm just going to start. <clears throat> she had fallen asleep while watching the sunset, but silence woke her. Silence always waked her. Only a handful would question why humans were born with ears, were they not intended to hear with it. She had read books about ancient times where the mortal had the ability to speak, where animals could be heard, not only seen, where sounds issued from everything, even the smallest of things could be heard. The forest was still and the breeze was light, though it still chilled her. She had forgotten a jacket before her departure. She didn't know her travels would take her to the bitter part of the world, it had been weeks since her last interaction with life. Nature wasn't to be seen as they continued to hide from her. The last village she passed had been days ago, though she only stopped for bread then. The map she was given continued to lead her to a place she didn't know. She didn't know what to expect when she arrived there. Her father had informed her that the place held a secret, a secret the world had shut away and kept hidden. She didn't know what her father knew of these things, but with his old age to slow him down, she volunteered to take his place on the quest. She had taken breaths in the forest upon the mountain. The map would have her climb to the peak. It was a perilous journey. The mountain was full of dangers. Sharp rocks, jagged cliffs, spear-like tree branches, and slippery slopes awaited her. She packed what she had and approached the crucible that lay before her. With each step forward, she slid three paces back. She climbed with caution at a slow and steady pace. Her life was more 
Her life was worth more than the answers the world hidden, though she was still eager to discover its secrets and wouldn't turn back from the dangers that awaited her. Her gut told her to turn away, as her brain did too, but with her heart and soul, she, they persuaded her to press on. She knew only the foolish would listen to their heart, though some may consider these people brave. They would be wrong to think so. All through her climb, she didn't allow the injuries she got to prevent her from reaching the top. Her hands were full of blood and sore, her body bruised, and her breath was short. But the adrenaline kept pushing her along the way. At the top, she was surprised to see what she what had been hidden, an old ruin. The structure, which was made of stone with stained glass windows, vines, tree roots, and weeds, made up made it appear as part of the mountain. She approached the building with caution, tying bandages around her bleeding hands. There was no door or port of entry found along the walls. She took a step back and examined her map. There was nothing of note, nothing on the legend to guide her inside. She looked at the giant oak that engulfed the side of the tree, that engulfed the side of the building and started to climb. Though the tree were the tree was too wide and the branches were too far high for her to reach alone. She encircled the structure again, carefully looking for an entrance, but still came up empty. She thought of breaking one of the windows, but to destroy such a beauty would be a crime. As she sat there, she watched as the cardinal flew atop the structure and then disappeared into it. She stood and began to use the roots of a great tree to climb up. The climb wasn't easy, however. The vines were slick with dew, though they were not they were more more than wide enough to support her. The tree roots were rough to touch, and her wounds on her hands reopened. Finally, she reached the top. The roots covered the majority of it, except for a small opening where the cardinal had disappeared. The opening wasn't much bigger than a toilet bowl, but she slowly lowered herself into it anyway. She didn't like the idea much, because she didn't know what, what awaited her inside. About halfway in, her mind was already disturbed, wandering from threat to threat. She took a deep breath and prayed for the best before re releasing her grip and falling to the floor. She landed in a puddle of water and quickly scanned her surroundings. The sun's rays shone through the stained glass, recreating the sunset. The room was empty, with the exception of a few birds that had nested within. The floor was full of stones and water had converged to the low points. Grass grew between the cracks and a flower managed to blossom as well. On the other side of the room, where she remembered the great oak to be outside, was a descending spiral staircase. The steps were wet as rainwater continued to drain down like a waterfall. The stairwell was dark, almost pitch black. The light from the room above was beginning to fade away completely, and she found herself in darkness. Ahead of her, she could see a light penetrating a crack along the tunnel wall. It led her into a great room. The room allowed light to enter from various holes in the cave wall. At the center, she saw something she hadn't seen before. The object was ebony, and it stood upon three legs. The shape was also odd. It had a strange curve to its design. She approached the object and noticed it had a bench. She sat there and pondered what the strange instrument could be. She carefully touched the object and felt its smooth surface. There was a keyhole that locked, that locked a portion of the front. She looked around for the key checking beneath and around the object. She came up empty. She thought on how some people would leave their keys under the mat outside their door, 
under the mat, she thought, under. She stood and looked on at the bench where she sat. She sat. She inspected it and found the top to be a lid. She cautiously opened it and found a little wooden box. She took it in her hands and closed the lid of the bench. She opened the case and found a little gold key. She took the key and unlocked the panel on the dark object and lifted it open. Hidden beneath was a row, was a row of ivory and ebony bars. She ran her hand over the set and felt give. There was a sort of, there were sort of buttons to be pressed. She wondered if a certain order would open the rest of the object to reveal its secrets. She didn't know which one to press first. She had never seen a puzzle like this before. She feared pressing the wrong one would put her in danger. She took a deep breath, closed her eyes, stretched her fingers over the bars, and took a chance. She didn't look to see which buttons her fingers had chosen, she had chosen but only pressed down on each of them. The strangest things have happened. The strangest of things then happened. Sound issued from the object. The sound was pleasing to her ears and didn't cause them to bleed. She opened her eyes, expecting to see, expecting to see some kind of creature or something to explain what she had heard, but saw nothing but the object. She looked at her hands and pressed a single bar and issued a sound. Then she tried another and it created a different sound. In fact, each bar made an entirely new sound than the other. She wondered what the object was intended for. She didn't think its primary purpose was would be to make sounds of pleasure. She sat up, cracked her knuckles, and pressed the keys in a new way other than she did before. The sounds she heard were beautiful to her ears as her fingers continued to play with the buttons set up before her. The beautiful sounds reminded her much of the amazing art she had seen along her travels. If this were a form of art, she would assume it to be one of the many muses created in the world. She then decided to call this art music, and her name would be remembered as Euterp for all time. The next short story that I have is called Killed in Action. It was a cold, dead night at the old dealership. Service had retired for the evening, and sales sat in silence of their own misery. Another night with no customers. The lot lights flickered as the harsh winds blew pellet-sized sleet into the windows of the, old, of the great metal doors. The big boss remained in the shadow of his warm office, though oddly enough he enjoyed and preferred the cold and wild winters of Chicago. The porter wandered in silence of the abandoned service department, praying for time to suddenly and uncontrollably speed up to the time when he could leave the forsaken facility. Eight o'clock couldn't come quickly enough. The game show on the flat screen blared through the glass that separated two departments, muffling the radio that played overhead. The porter watched the clock on the wall, yet time stood still, though the battery life on his phone dropped like a stone in the ocean. The overhead lights glimmered off the less-than-exotic cars in the showroom floor. The price tag stuck out like sore thumbs, causing even the most interested customer to shake their heads and laugh all the way to the Audi dealership. The old mini dealership left haunting signs with previous tenants, like the fist-sized hole in the service break room, or the slash marks along the four walls, as if Wolverine had Vietnam flashbacks in the hot and steam-filled room. No one could forget the mark the, the spirit of Minnie left behind, the daunting, skeletal, soapy handprint just outside the porter bay. It looks as if the wraith tries to enter the dealership every night, but the new flaming red neon sign burns like a torch in the night, keeping the ghost of Dewish's Bay, Dewish's past at bay.
The morning light will quickly emerge and a new day will begin. The early rush will come and die suddenly as it does each and every day before. The drama will boil over as the technicians and writers squabble over the boss's affection and the poor underpaid porters will be pulled left and right as sales and service fight over them like unclaimed candy bar. Though their loyalty remains with service, the threats they subtly receive from sales may sway their better judgment. With the snow falling again and the air getting colder, it will be a difficult it will be difficult for the remaining porters to quickly respond to their duties. The porters are literally the grunts of the shop, the front lines of the invasion of Normandy. Many have been forced to leave in recent months, and new recruits have been pushed up, pushed upon those who have managed to survive the onslaught that it came after the summer months had passed. Four porters currently stand in the remains of the memories of those long past. Two vets and two fresh blood grunts, both with prior experience, though not always where it counts the most. The vets have little patience and know not to get attached for they've seen what has happened throughout the months they've been deployed on the Orland front. An elder porter with some seriously inappropriate behavior thinks he has the authority over the two vets because of his advanced age. Though, he doesn't comprehend he's still fresh blood in the sea of hungry sharks. The technicians avoid him like the plague, and the writers watch him like a hawk. He wanders the corridors of the Odell shop and appears behind the text like a ghost moving through the walls. Some believe he is, in fact, the wraith that haunts the dealership, also known as the ghost of dealership's past. The day will continue as drama escalates between the text and the writers as the porters simply watch from the sidelines. The tension between the texts is beginning to rise as they battle for hours. One remains behind all the others, the forgotten loop tech. He struts into the shop with sadness in his eyes, a bright feature shattered by the sudden exit of a former commander. Service writers come and go as they had in recent months, but one has remained a rock for the old store. The glue that holds the shop together. Without him, the shop falls ill and crumbles to pieces. He's like the soul of service, and without him, it feels like a puzzle piece. It feels like a puzzle missing its final piece. The new commander's no-nonsense attitude is just what the porters needed after the previous one didn't care enough about anything. His porters, his work, not even his family. I hope you enjoyed the two short stories, Silent Melody and Killed in Action. Um, both are different genres than what I've been writing lately. If you want to hear more um, short stories that I've written or even other stories besides the Archangel Chronicles, let me know. Um, message me on Instagram or Facebook uh, if you want to hear more of those. If you want to hear more of the actual story of Immortal and the Archangel Chronicles, let me know that too. Um, and meantime i hope you guys have a great weekend and i hope you enjoyed the readings of my short stories and let me know what you thought of them and uh have a great day